Hello, and thank you for checking out this episode of the From the Frontline podcast. Each episode, we'll be interviewing a key voice from the NHS or social care to discuss some of the key challenges and changes that impact the treatment and care we all receive. Throughout this podcast series, we'll be answering some of the big questions which face health and social care today, such as why are there massive delays in A&E, how do we beat the NHS winter crisis, and how can we make the future of digital health accessible for all. We hope that you'll finish each episode knowing a little bit more about the major NHS headlines and what needs to change if we are to deliver the best possible care for everyone in the UK. The From the Frontline podcast is brought to you by Healthcoms Consulting, who are part of the PLMR group. We hope you enjoy this episode. On today's episode, we are delighted to be talking about the future of digital health in the NHS. We're going to be reflecting on the impact of digital health on the way that the NHS operates, particularly during COVID and reflecting on the COVID-19 experience. Uh, we're delighted to have Simon Bolton, CEO of NHS Digital, with us on the podcast today. Simon, it's a really fascinating point of conversation and one I'm, which I'm sure all of our listeners um, can reflect on in terms of their experience of how the NHS operated during COVID-19 and the sort of universal experience, I suppose, of all patients in the NHS will be that they have seen a massive and unprecedented adoption of digital health as the way in which the NHS operates. I mean, I'm thinking in terms of the NHS app, in terms of uh, test and trace, in terms of uh, virtual appointments in primary care, across the whole spectrum of the way that the NHS operates. As a starting point of the conversation, I suppose, as you reflect on the last couple of years and the role of digital health in the way that the NHS works, particularly during COVID-19, I just wondered if, with all of the expansion in mind, you had any sort of um, headline reflections or lessons, I suppose, that you would take take away from your position? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me on the podcast. Really, uh, really pleased to be here. And um, I think it's a really fascinating topic to reflect on because there's no doubt COVID did um, create an opportunity for using digital technology for um, for the delivery of healthcare. And I guess I've got you know um, a couple of insights in relation to, to this. When I first moved into healthcare, it was um, I had a role in test and trace for for nine months before becoming chief exec here at NHS Digital. So I've got uh, a couple of different perspectives, and I guess my early experience um, in test and trace was that we were having to deliver population scale services extraordinarily quickly, um, and and actually um, we would have been unable to do that if we weren't using some form of technology. So, for example, just the ability to uh, to process um, well, actually millions of tests every day. Um, for for citizens, we couldn't have done that without using technology in a you know a very much a scaled up way, and and in fact I think at our busiest we were processing something like three hundred and fifty test results a second, so you know large numbers. But then when you you look at um, the vaccination program as well, uh, I think our busiest day, um, you know, well over a million tests, uh, sorry, a million vaccines in the day. Just the logistics of booking those, we couldn't have done that without the technology supporting the operational process. Uh, so I think for the first time, the whole system saw technology as 
absolutely critical to enable us uh, to deliver care. Uh, and, and that's been something that's, that's helped us, I think, through the course of um, the, last, uh, the last couple of years. The other thing that I think has been uh, enormously helpful or was helpful through COVID was complete alignment um, between policy, operational colleagues, technology, and that complete alignment, very focused on very clear outcomes and objectives, allowed us to move very, very quickly. Um, what I've found since COVID, because in some ways COVID seems so last year, um, uh, although it's still very present, but it, uh, clearly the, the crisis is, uh, is, we hope, behind us. Um, moving so quickly um, required that alignment. And as we've moved back into a more normal operating environment, I'm finding it's more difficult to get that alignment on outcomes. And that's definitely slowing us down in other areas. I'm really interested to pick up on that final point. You're right in that to a, to a massive extent during COVID, it felt as if necessity prompted accelerated adoption and innovation at a rate and scale that um, outside of pandemic conditions, I suppose, for want of a better phrase, would have been unlikely or impossible. And I just wonder with your final point in mind, if you had thoughts as to, I suppose, how we can carry that uh, experience and those lessons learned around alignment at a national level towards singular outcomes through into everyday practices and the way that the NHS will operate going forward, I suppose. Yeah, so the, the NHS is obviously a very complex system and um, getting aligned on objectives isn't easy, of course. You know, with COVID, it was much clearer. It was about doing tests, getting vaccinations into people's arms. So in some ways, the outcomes were far simpler um, than you know the normal day-to-day -day business of, of the NHS. But we do need to get better aligned and be much more thoughtful about what our priorities are and then make sure that we're all focused on those priorities rather than what I think has been a little bit more um, uh, scattergun perhaps in the past in terms of what we're trying to achieve. When I started at NHS Digital in, um, uh, I think it was about April, May last year, one of the things that was immediately clear to me is that the technology teams at the centre of the NHS were really disparate. So we had NHS Digital, we had NHS X, we had some people doing technology work in NHS England. Um, and none of them were really joined up. In fact, in some ways, particularly between NHS X and NHSD, it felt quite competitive, you know, competing for the attention of the system, um, actually not necessarily being very well aligned as to what we were trying to achieve and what our objectives were. So it became clear to me very quickly that the first thing to do was get much better alignment between those organisations at the centre of the NHS so that we could genuinely provide some technology leadership to the system. And you can only do that if you're talking with one, one voice. So, you know, that was my initial perspective. Um, at that stage, I didn't realise it was going to end up in a merger of those three organisations into, into one team. Um, but actually, I think that's um, an incredibly powerful thing to happen that aligning that technology leadership and creating a single team so that we can provide desperately needed uh, leadership to the system around technology, I think will really help us. So I mean, that's not going to be the only answer, but I think it's, it's a foundational part of, of what we need, need to do. The next part is to 
start to work on where do we want the NHS to be from a technology perspective in, and I know this is going to sound a long time out, but sort of 10 or 15 years time, one of the things I've learned, I mean, it's a massive system, it's very complex, and you can't instigate change overnight. But if we can get get clear in our minds what we want the landscape to look like in 10 or 15 years' time, how federated is it going to be? What does the centre do? Because I, I, my, my uh, thesis would be that there's, um, we need to start delivering more services nationally than we've done in the past, because there are capabilities that we can only do um, once across the system it's going to, if it's going to be effective. So, for example, the work that we're doing on the app uh, currently, we don't want to um, uh, develop a different app for every different trust or every ICS or even every region. We need a national app. And I think you'll, you see the work that's being done on that. We're getting rapid progress in terms of the capability of the app, now being able to book appointments and see test res- uh, um, see uh, GP uh, records, that kind of stuff. So I think we need to be very clear about what the centre is going to deliver and what we want the overall system to look like. I'm interested in the point you raised around your initial perception as to the impression of there being sort of uh, an element of competition between NHSX and D and the different technological bodies at the centre. And you mentioned the merger that's ongoing and the uh, the potential benefit in that consolidation of those different teams. It's obvious to say, but uh, a merger in and of itself doesn't tackle an element of competition between those organizations that existed individually previously. So I would love to just get your thoughts on what needs to change in terms of making sure that those teams under one banner can operate and with one voice. You're absolutely right. Just merging the organizations together doesn't fix the problem. Um, and you know, it's much more, it's much deeper than that. But as a as a foundational change, I think that's that's actually really helpful because it does create a single team. Next question is, does the team play nice together? Um, and that requires some hard work and effort to make sure that you're aligned properly and that you're organised properly and that you start develop, to develop the right um, uh, the right culture, I guess, the, the right ways of working together. Um, so, and I, and I think we've got some good examples of where we've made some decent progress. So I mentioned the app earlier. Um, actually, in the past, we had different commissioning bodies and delivery bodies. Now we're bringing those into single teams. So, you know, we've got one team under one leader who now determines what the backlog is for the app uh, and how we're going to deliver deliver it and when. And those were previously in separate organisations. So you can see by bringing, empowering a single team to prioritise and deliver, um, you can make more progress. Uh, another example would be, um, the team that's working in screening again. We had, you know, three very separate teams who um, I think really struggled to get aligned. Now we've got a single team under a single leader. Um, yes, the matrix working, but you know, to all intents and purposes, a team of people who are focused on screening and making real progress in that very important area, and making sure we've got the right technology capability that we get rid of some of our legacy. Um, and again, a team who are empowered to make the right decisions, make the right prioritisation and, and deliver capability. So, yes, it's more than just saying we're going to merge these organisations. It's about reorganising, bringing people together and creating a culture where people um, are able to trust one another, feel empowered and make progress. I'm really keen and interested just to get any 
final thoughts as to where you see the potential of digital health going? You mentioned 10, 15 years down the line and what key priorities need to be. I suppose just in your mind and in your imagining as to what the NHS landscape with the successful adoption of digital health at its heart could and should look like in 10, 15 years. I wonder what the key headlines would be really. To start with, we, we need to be clear about what the different parts of the system does. You know, what, for example, the, the uh, NHS England does um, to support uh, the whole system. Um, and I think there are a number of areas where we should play. Now, this is this is not a policy statement. It's a, you know my my view, my opinion, if you like. Um, but I think we should be creating an environment where we're driving much more consistency. Now, we talk about managed convergence, but I think that the centre should be uh, arguably more opinionated about what that means and potentially in some, some areas mandate uh, the kind of solutions that we sh- should have in place. Um, so I use a very easy example to start with. Um, we've got, um, by some measures, the um, the largest Office 365 tenant uh, in the world in, in the NHS. Uh, we run it centrally. We run it out of, out of my team, uh, I think, pretty successfully. Um, but yet we still have parts of the NHS who want to go off and do their own thing. They want their own Microsoft tenant or they want to go and use Google. Um, honestly, I think that's nuts. It is crazy. That That's something that we should just do centrally and everybody should use it. And, you know, there shouldn't be an option because it's the most cost effective way of delivering that service. Um then we can get into a slightly more contentious area. So if we think about EPRs, and you know, there have been lots of conversation about managed convergence around EPRs, um, we have got too, too much variability in the system at the moment. Um, and I'll come back to why I think it's too much variability. Um, but, but I think we need more consistency. Um, and my, uh, we, We're never going to get down to one. And in fact, getting down to one EPR, I think, would be probably not the right answer because you'd then be heavily dependent on potentially one supplier there's more risk and all that kind of stuff so you know I'd, I'd argue there should be between three and six suppliers in that space so we can manage the relationships centrally we can um, leverage commercial or leverage national buying power um, we can build up capability uh, in those um, uh, those systems so that as we want to do migrations we've got the capability internally so we don't have to rely so much on external partners um, so lots of good, reason, good reasons why we should uh, drive convergence for the systems but I think um, that by, for the technology but, but actually for the system I think it's important as well because um, increasingly the um, making sure for example our care pathways are consistent between different trusts I think is important to make sure that we're giving the right level of care um, having Consistent methodology for managing flow through your urgent and emergency care, um, I think, is really important. Why would one hospital do it differently to another? Um, so, I, I think there are lots of reasons why we would want to have a limited number of workflow systems um, that, that we're utilizing. I was at a talk recently where um, somebody from uh, Cleveland Clinic was presenting. Um, so, Cleveland Clinic, a, a big uh, US hospital um, system. They've recently opened a hospital here in London, and they've lifted 80% of their business architecture, so processes, systems, etc., from the US into the UK, and they're using that to run their UK hospital. I'd argue that 
um, we should be driving for that level of consistency between different hospital trusts in, in the UK. Of course, there are going to be geographic differences, specialist differences. But I think we need more consistency to drive better efficiency and improved quality of patient care, consistency of patient care. Um, so there's, there, those are some of the things I, I think that you know are important in, in terms of driving consistency. Um, and in 15 years' time, I would want us to have a dramatically fewer number of EPRs, as an example. I think there are other areas that we would look at and say there should be less variability in the system than there, there perhaps is today. Simon, that's really interesting. And we're really grateful for your time. It's been a fascinating conversation. I know that I've learned a lot um, just in the last 15 minutes. So I'm sure I can speak for our listeners when they would reflect the same. Um, I'm sure that the uh, role of digital health will continue to be a key element of our conversation and one that we'll be sure to follow closely on on the podcast. So thank you again for, for being part of the conversation today. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks Thanks for asking me along and thanks for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the From the Frontlines podcast. If you have any thoughts about our conversation or would like to get involved in a future episode, please email fromthefrontline at healthcomsconsulting.co.uk. If you'd like to chat about our work as one of the UK's top health and social care public affairs agencies, please visit our website, healthcomsconsulting.co.uk. Thanks again for listening.